Do you understand all these things? That's the question Jesus has for us today. We've, this is now the third week where we've been looking at parables that Jesus gave about the kingdom of heaven. And so he ends this discourse on the kingdom of heaven. All of these parables he ends by asking, do you understand all these things? And so two Sundays ago, we heard the parable of the sower who sows the seed on the ground that is good and on the ground that is rocky, on the ground that is thorny. He sows the seed everywhere. And then last Sunday, we heard the parable of the weeds among the wheat, the parable of the mustard seed, and the parable of the yeast that leavens the bread. And then this week, we have three more really, really short parables, but parables nonetheless of the treasure in the field, the pearl of great price, and the dragnet. That's what we call that big fancy fishing net. And each one of these parables tells us something about the kingdom of heaven. In fact, even the number of parables Jesus gave is instructive because the number seven is very important in the Bible. It is the number of perfection, the number of completion, the number of fulfillment, and perhaps most importantly, the number of covenant. Because the Hebrew verb that means to make a covenant literally says to seven yourself. And so, what do we see by the fact that there are seven of these parables? We see that heaven is the complete and perfect fulfillment of that covenant God made with the patriarchs so long ago. That covenant that we will be his people and he will be our God will be perfectly realized when we finally reach heaven. And so let's look at today's parables so perhaps we can understand these things a little bit better. The first one, of the treasure buried in the field. This person, his heart is overcome with joy when he finds this treasure. And how did he find it? He first had to be looking. He was looking for something. He knew there was something that he did not have and that he needed. And so he was looking for this treasure. And then he found it, finally, after all of this searching. And what did he do when he found it? He recognized, I cannot legally lay claim to this yet. Because in those days, if you found treasure in a field, it belonged to the person who owned the field. And so this merchant, he went. Was it a merchant? No, the merchant's in the pearl. Sorry. Getting the parables all mixed up. Sorry about that. So this man, he goes and he sells all that he has so that he can buy that field. He goes about and methodically works so that he can have this treasure because he must have it. He sells all that he has so that he can finally attain that treasure. This is how we too must look for the kingdom of heaven. First, we have to recognize that there is something we need, right? And I think most of us recognize that in our daily life, that if we just stick with the things of this world, we will not be complete. But then when we find it, when we find that Jesus Christ is the answer to all that we need, it's this moment of great joy, but also a moment of a bit of sorrow. Because when we see that, we'll also recognize that there are some more things we need to do 
if we want to enter into that kingdom, if we want to have that eternal union with Jesus Christ in heaven. And so we set about methodically working, working and working and working on our lives, on our virtue, on our prayer, so that we can grow closer to God, so that one day we can take that possession of the field like this guy did, so that we can go to heaven. If we look at how the saints became saints, it's never because they were just haphazardly doing things. They stuck with a plan that works. And yeah, there's a bunch of different plans that we can follow. But they found a way to grow in virtue, and they stuck with it. They methodically worked towards the kingdom of heaven, praying and fasting and doing penance and just increasing their virtue every day of their life. And then what did the saints do? So every moment they did that, they came closer to the kingdom of heaven and on this earth. But then each and every one of them has died. They've given up the very last thing they have on this earth standing in the way. Their very last thing that they, you know, we kind of call a possession is our life. And so when we finally give that up, we can fully enter into that kingdom of heaven. The next parable, the pearl of great price, a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can read this one. But if you look at what the text says, it says the kingdom of heaven is like the merchant, which tells us that Jesus is trying to tell us something a little different here. It's not the same story of give up all you have so you can get to heaven. It's that Jesus is searching for us. That is what's happening here. Because we have this merchant, he's searching for fine pearls. And when he finds a pearl of great price, he sells all he has to buy it. But it never says there's just one pearl. Whenever he finds this pearl of great price, he gives up all he has to buy it. And so that is Jesus looking for us. He is searching the world, looking for each and every one of us, and when he finds that pearl that he has planted within our hearts, he gives all he has to get it on the cross. And since he's God, he does that once and it works for everybody. You know, that's kind of the benefit of having an infinite God, right? Is that that works. But he gave up all he had so that we could enter the kingdom of heaven and be with him forever. He gives us all the tools that we need to strip away the dirt and the mud and the barnacles and whatever else you, you find on the shells and on these pearls so that they can be shined up and go into heaven. And so not only do we follow this, this method of looking and finding and converting and finally attaining our goal, but Jesus follows that similar structure He looks for us and finds us and cleans us up and brings us to heaven. It's this beautiful back and forth between the two parables. Not only are we needing to be willing to be transformed, but we allow God to do that transformation. It's not just up to us. And then finally, this last parable, the seventh one in this list of parables, the third one we hear today is very short. It is the parable of the dragnet. The kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind. There will be a day when each one of us is called from this earth to go meet God. We don't have any control over it. 
just like the fish don't have any control over when they get caught by a net. They might try to swim away, they might get another, you know, three feet, but the net is going to get them. But it says it collects every kind. That is critically important for us because each one of us is very different. And then when that sorting out happens, the good and the bad fish, if you look at the Greek, I read some commentaries that actually read the Greek part because, you know, that makes me seem really smart when I say things like, if you read the Greek, anyways. If you read the Greek, it doesn't say good and bad. It says beautiful and rotten. So the beautiful fish are picked and set aside and the rotten are cast out. But I think that that's something important for us to notice because what makes a beautiful catfish is different than what makes a beautiful tuna fish. And both of those are different than a beautiful trout, for example. That's like the extent of my fish knowledge. (laughs) But each of them is beautiful in a different way. There's a subjective component to that judgment of what is a good fish. But then... They are also all fish. <laughs> they all have something in common, like they have gills and you know, can breathe underwater, which is really cool. And so they are also beautiful in an objective way, their fishiness, so to speak. So what makes them a good fish is whether they, they are good in that objective and that subjective way, whether they have fulfilled what they were created to be. The rotten ones are no good for anything. They are cast out because they have not done this. And so that tells us about how it will be for us when we meet God at that judgment. There's two parts of it. Were we good as humans and were we good as us? Did we follow the virtues and things like that as best as we could? Those are the questions to ask. Because when I meet God, a beautiful Father Matt is going to look very different than a beautiful Pope Francis. And both of us are going to be hugely different from a beautiful, say, St. Bridget of Sweden. She was one of the saints we celebrated this week. But nevertheless, like I said, we are beautiful to the degree we have allowed God to transform us to shine us into that pearl of great price, to make us these virtuous vessels of his love. Now, whenever we talk about judgment, it's a little challenging. It seems somewhat unfair. But if you think about it, if there were no judgment, then that would mean that we are not allowing God the right to delight in the beauty of his creation. We go back to those words, the beautiful, right? The beautiful are selected. Now, I did some more look on, looking up of fish because there are fish in the gospel, right? I was like, what is the most beautiful fish in the world? And there's some debate on it, but there was this one called the French angelfish that I thought looked really cool, and it's near the top of the list. And we should admire the beauty of that thing. Any one of those, you know, that comes out is going to be a really nice looking fish. But if it's deformed and if it's rotten, it's not good. It's making a mockery of its species. It's no good to look at. It's certainly no good to eat. I don't know if you eat that kind of fish, but, you know, it's no good. And so it's, it's that way with us. You know, human beings, we are the most unique 
kind of creature in all of creation. We are both material and spiritual. There is nothing else in all of creation that can claim that. The angels cannot claim that. They are only spiritual. You know, our dogs, as much as we love them, they are only material. We are this beautifully unique thing that God has created, and each one of us lives that out in a different way. And that is the beauty that God wants with him for all of eternity. And it's such a just a fantastic idea. And so these are the parables about the kingdom of heaven that we've encountered over the last three weeks. And Jesus ends by asking, do you understand all these things? The apostles say yes. Maybe they understood a part of it because I think you could spend a whole lifetime on these things. But then he says, the scribe who has been instructed is like the head of the household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. That tells us that there is so much that we can learn, both now and in the past. The way that I read that is, we can't deny the treasures of the Old Testament. And this gospel is definitely linked to the first reading because what did Solomon ask for? He didn't, strictly speaking, ask for wisdom. What did he say? He asked, where did it go? I know it's in here. There it is. He asked for an understanding heart to judge your people and to distinguish right from wrong. And so Jesus is asking today, do we understand? Do we, are we finding that heart within us, this pearl of great price God has given each one of us, discerning right from wrong? Following this plan laid out, we hear St. Paul talk about, he says predestined. What that means is God has made a plan for each one of us that will lead us to heaven if we just follow it because he's done all the work. So that's the question we have today. Do we understand that God has given us a plan, that he is out there seeking for us, that he wants to gaze at our beauty for all of eternity?